Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. This morning, as we get started, I want to do something uh, different. Uh, it may seem strange and weird to you, but I, I believe that when God asks you to do something, you need to be obedient. If you don't do it, that would be sin. And so, um, if you were here last week, you remembered me talking about strongholds. And I talked about my particular stronghold being the fact that I tend to find my security in uh, money and possessions. That's the temptation that I have rather than finding that security in God and God alone. And so he, he's working on me to, to let loose of, of greed and materialism in my heart. And so I really feel prompted to, uh, in all three of our services, I've put three $100 bills underneath seats, okay? And so uh, not everybody found them, so I believe in this service there is four. Uh, let me give you kind of the rules before you, you look at this. Uh, no looking underneath your neighbor's chair, uh, your chair, all right. Um, since this is the last service, I'm not sure how you're going to work it out. If there is one near you, you guys can work that out on your own. Um, no running up and down the aisles. Uh, only the chairs down here on the floor, the, the purple chairs, those upstairs, they kind of flip up. Yeah, you should sit closer. It pays to sit closer. So... Um, I, again, this is kind of weird, but I, I'm doing it out of obedience. Uh, I, I hope you are blessed. Three, two, one. Yeah, I lied. Um, <laughs> there, in this service, there is more crawling, like army, army crawl. I will find it. You're probably thinking if you're new, I hate this guy already. This guy, what a liar. We need to find a real church with a real pastor. <laughs> Write this down. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's true. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's true. You believe my lie, and it affected your life. <laughs> a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it is True, and I believe that there is a large number of people in our culture and maybe even in this room who are believing lies from the enemy and it is robbing them of joy. The lies that we believe tend to then move our feet in a direction away from God, away from his holiness, and away from the truth. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it is true. It is uh, Satan's greatest weapon to use against us, but the greatest weapon of Jesus Christ. He says in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Lies will ensnare you. Lies will hold you back. Lies will distract you from the mission that God has given to you. It is the truth of God's word, it is the truth which is unchanging, that begins to move our feet in a way out of being ensnared and into freedom. And it is my prayer, as your pastor, that you would walk in freedom, that you would not live in the lies of the enemy. And that is what Christ has for you today. It is freedom, freedom in him and freedom through his Truth, a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's true. For example, there used to be a period of time, uh, some people still believe this, people used to believe that the world is flat. 
And if you venture out too far, you just fall over the edge. A lie, believed as truth, will affect your life as if it's true. Satan is our enemy. And today as we talk about Satan, as we talk about spiritual warfare, I know that may sound kind of like, ooh, this is really weird. I'm not quite sure where this is going. And we don't speak about that kind of thing as Americans. But this is a very real enemy that we have. Satan hates God. He is a created being. He is a fallen angel. He hates God. And he knows the best way to, to hurt God is to hurt his people. And the best tool that Satan has is the lie. So if he can begin to work on your mind, then he can begin to move you in a direction away from the heart of God, distract you from the mission of God, and embracing all that God has for you. That is how he operates. That is what he does. Uh, the Bible tells us that he is our enemy, that he goes around like a roaring lion. He is one who stalks. He stalks his prey. He's a master hunter. He doesn't want to be heard. He doesn't want to be seen, but he loves to devour. And the way that he does that is by attacking the mind. He tries to get the, the high place in our mind. He tries to get a foothold so then he can get a chokehold on our life. The battleground that we have is in our mind, that we would know the truth because the truth sets us free. The enemy is a liar. There is a true battle that is going on. Let me give you the method of operation of our enemy so you understand. Our enemy, Satan, he loves to imitate and deceive. He's an imitator. He's a deceiver. He loves to distract. It says this in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He's very deceptive. Paul writes, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion. So he's a deceiver. The other thing that he is, he is a pretender. He is a phony. Next verse, verse four. And no wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He, he pretends. He likes to mimic. He, he likes to take things that are wrong and sinful and shine them up and make them look really pretty, make them look really good, and then offer it to people so that they will take a bite out of that temptation, out of that sin, so that they will believe the lie. And when we begin to move in that direction, we believe the lies long enough, we become ensnared in the lies of the enemy. He loves nothing more than taking the truth twisting the truth in such a way that we take the bait. And when we take the bait and we start believing things that may be half true, little bit true, now we are ensnared because we are not living in the truth. He's an imitator. He's a phony. The enemy is fake. He, he's like, he's an imitator, like imitation crab meat. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's not the real stuff. Uh, or, or imitation meat. I, I remember in, in our high school in Iowa, they would give us soybean burgers. You would think in Iowa, they would give you corn-fed beef. Nope, soybeans, soybean burgers. I remember biting into one, and I got a prize one day. I got a whole soybean in my burger. Mmm, it's gross. It's fake. It's an imitation. And that's what the enemy is. He loves to imitate. He loves to pretend. He loves to deceive. He likes to take our minds to begin to twist the truth so that we believe something that may be just a little bit off of the truth. And before long, we are walking away from our Heavenly Father because we are believing lies. And a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. We want intimacy in relationships. We want, we want to have a loving partner. 
And yet, many people in this world settle for sex outside of marriage. It's not the real thing. That's a lie. We want to have a a long-lasting covenant commitment with one person, and yet we settle for the lie of living together outside of marriage. That's an imitation. That's a lie. We, we long to have a close relationship with God where we're getting to know him more and there's a depth of relationship with him and authenticity and yet so many people settle for religion. They, they settle for ritual. They settle for something without substance and meaning of the real thing. It is, it is a lie. It is not the truth. So where is it that you and I need to get in our lives? What would scripture have us to do? Well, scripture tells us that the place for us to be is the renewed mind that our mind would be changed and transformed. It says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed any longer to this world because this world has a pattern, this world has a bent, and it is not toward God, it's away from God. Our culture would say, hey, these things are okay now, might not have been back then, but now this is fine. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that your mind and my mind would begin to think God's thoughts, that they would move in the direction of truth and not to believe the lies of the enemy, not to believe the lies of culture, but that we would truly know the mind of God. And when your mind is transformed through the power of his word, through the power of his Holy Spirit, now your feet can begin to walk away from being ensnared by the enemy and you walk in freedom. And again, as your pastor, that's what I want for you. I don't want anyone in here to believe the lies of the enemy, to be stuck and ensnared, but to find freedom in Jesus Christ. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it is true. Now, if we're gonna get out of this, if we're gonna stop believing lies and letting it affect us, we're gonna have to take some steps. There's three steps that I wanna talk about today. The first thing that we're gonna do to get to the place of a renewed mind is we have to recognize the enemy's lies. You have to see it for what it is. And again, the greatest weapon that our enemy has is the lie. It says this in John 8, 44. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what Satan does. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it is true. And he will throw lie after lie after lie. Look, he's been studying you. It's like a sports team. Good sports team don't just study their own plays. They study the other players. They watch the film of the other team so that they can find the weakness. That's what Satan does with us. He watches you. He knows your weakness. And then, like a roaring lion, sneaking up on you, he's looking for an opportunity to devour, to jump on that weak spot. But we need to be aware of it. But there's a number of lies that are given to us, and I've got some fill-in-the-blanks there of, of different ways that we can recognize the enemy's li- enemy lies and where they're coming from. The first one, he loves to lie about yourself. He loves to lie about you and what, what you think. Now, let me just say something real quick here. Uh, if you're trying to discern, hey, where's all of this negative stuff coming from in my mind? Where, where's this junk coming from? I tend to look for, in my own life, uh, I tend to look for is the words in my head, is it the word I or you? Like, if I hear the word, you are pathetic, that's the enemy. And I know it's the enemy because Chris doesn't talk in the third person. I say I, I'm pathetic, that's me. 
If the message I continually get is, you're worthless, you're no good, you're pathetic, you're a joke, that's the enemy. And I begin to recognize it for what it is. Sometimes it's just my own negative thoughts. But we have to recognize, and he throws all kinds of them out at us, like this. Here's one. Uh, Your worth is determined by what you do and what others think of you. Your worth is determined by what you do and what other people think of you. Now, if you believe this lie, you're gonna operate out of shame and guilt. You're gonna say to yourself, man, if I were, if I were just you know, better, smarter, stronger, I, I could get over this kind of thing. I, I, I believe that I'm overly driven and I'm gonna be competitive, but I can't get through that because I believe my worth is based in what other people are doing. So if I believe my worth is based on uh, what people think, I'll be so driven that I may be tempted to cut corners and sin. If, if I'm taking a test and I want other people to think, man, that, that Chris, he sure is smart. The temptation will be to cheat so that other people will think that I'm smart. That's the temptation, that's the lie. Uh, in our culture, if you start thinking about, well, I, my value is determined by what other people think, then when you go on social media and you post all of the things that you have there, you're giving other people permission to speak into your life that many of them you don't even know, and you are hoping that they will validate your worth. What are we doing? We're like, like me. Like me, like me, like me, please hit that like button, please hit the little heart there. Would you please like me? And if we don't get those likes, then our self-esteem begins to go down and we move into depression. It happens over and over and over. This is especially true, I believed it, when I was a kid and in high school. And so if you're here and you're kind of in that age group, it is really tempting to think that your worth is based on what other people think of you and what they say of you. Your worth, your identity is not based on their opinion. Your worth and your value has been dictated to you by your heavenly father. He has sent his son, Jesus Christ, and your identity is in him. If you are believing that lie, it is going to affect your life and hold you back. That is a lie of the enemy. Your worth is determined by what other people think of you and by what you do. Here's another lie. I am the way that I am, and I can't change. The way Satan would say it is, you are the way you are. There is no changing you. And if you believe this lie, well, then you're gonna be really kind of filled with shame and guilt. You're gonna be filled, perhaps, with passivity. Like, well, this is just the way I am. There's no getting better So I quit. Why even try? Why keep pushing towards God? I I can't get any better. I can't overcome this addiction. I am the way that I am. It's set. I quit. I give up. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Here's one. This one's pretty popular with the enemy. Uh, If people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. If people knew the real me, they would not want to be around me. And so this leads to hypocrisy. So we pretend. We put on a mask, we put on a show, we put on a front, and we want other people to see whatever it is we're trying to get across because if they knew the real me, uh, they wouldn't like me at all. It keeps intimacy from happening in our, our community groups and people relating to one another. If you knew the real me, you wouldn't like me. The enemy loves to lie about you. You may have a tape playing over and over in your head about your self-worth, you are worthless, you are no good, you will never change. That is a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And a lie, believed as truth, will affect your life as if it's true. 
So he loves to lie about yourself. Satan also loves to lie about the meaning of life and happiness. The meaning of life and happiness. Popular lie in this area would be uh, your, your happiness can be found in money and possessions. You, you can find uh, happiness and joy in how much money you have, but that's a lie. And if you begin to believe that lie, then you're gonna move in the direction of materialism, you're gonna be greedy, if you believe it long enough, now other people aren't all that important. Your money's important. Your materialism is important. Whatever you can acquire, your possessions, and before long, people, they take a, a back seat. So he'll lie about the, the meaning of life. He'll, he'll lie about the meaning of life, and he'll say, well, the meaning of life is whatever you decide. You determine the meaning of life. You do you, and whatever you feel, that's right. That is a lie. But you, you think whatever you want to think. Other people can think whatever they want to think, and everybody's got their own truth. You believe that? It leads to relativism. It also leads you to this place where you're swayed by whatever is happening in the culture, whatever is happening in your friend group. It takes you away from the truth of God's word. It puts your feet on a path that is filled with lies. Just go by your feelings. Feelings are fickle. Feelings go like this. Truth is consistent. Truth doesn't change. It stays the same in spite of your feelings. But if you believe that you can just make up whatever kind of idea you want to have about God and how to live your life, it will affect your life as if that were truth, and it's not. Here's another lie. To be happy, I've got to be married. I'm not married, so I'm not a whole person. If you believe that lie, that's gonna set you up for some major failure. It actually is gonna put some unrealistic expectations on the person that you're seeing. And if you ever do then get married to that person and they let you down, which they will because everybody lets you down, you're gonna start thinking, well, I must not have married the right person to make me happy. And since they're not making me happy, I'm gonna have to divorce them, which really isn't an option, but I'm gonna have to divorce them and then find the one that will make me happy. It will affect your life because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. So the enemy's filled with lies, lying about you, lying about the, the meaning of life, meaning of happiness and where you find it. And then the enemy loves to lie about God. He enjoys lying about who God is. He misrepresents who God is. Here's one. The more you do for God, the more he will love you and bless you. The harder you work for God, the more he'll love and bless you. You start believing that, that's gonna lead you down a path of legalism. That's gonna lead you down a path of just trying to work for your righteousness. That is, that is a treadmill of activity for you. A, a treadmill of, man, you know what? I, I sinned, I did something wrong, so to get back into God's good graces, have him love me, I better work extra hard. I better try harder. I'm gonna make sure that I'm at every event. I'm doing everything that I can because God won't love me unless I'm working for him. The other thing it does, it can lead you towards judgmentalism because then you start looking at everybody else who isn't working as hard as you because you're really on that treadmill of righteousness and they're not holding their weight. They're not living up to the level that you are. Man, you're doing great with God. Them, not so much. And you begin to judge them if you believe that the more that you do for God, the more he's gonna love you and bless you. Another one, God... God would never do that for me. Satan will say, God would never do that for you. He could do it for somebody else, but you're not good enough. 
He's not interested in hearing from you, responding to you. You believe this lie, it's gonna move you in the direction of resentment. God is kind and good to others. He wouldn't be kind and good to me. He could do it for them, not for me. Here's one, what I've done, Satan would say, what you've done is so bad that God can never forgive you. You, you are so bad, you are so pathetic. Don't even think about asking for forgiveness. And if you believe that lie, despair and hopelessness begins to set in. If you believe that you have gone so far that the grace of God could forgive everybody else, but not you. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it's true. Satan loves to lie about you, the meaning of life and happiness, and God. Now in each of these messages, as I've shared been trying to open up to you and share from my own life and some of the struggles that I have. And the reason that I, I do that uh, isn't to put attention on me. The goal is to create an environment, a kind of church, where we don't have to come in and wear masks, that we will be authentic with one another, that we can trust one another. We can trust each other with our hearts. We can trust one another to point us to God and to the truth. And so that's the reason that I share these things. I wanna share with you the lie that I've believed in the past. The thing about me is I've grown up kind of being an overachiever. And the reason that I have overachieved is because the lie that I was believing is that my worth and my value was based on what other people thought of me. And so if I performed and I performed well enough, well then, people like me and now I have value. So the way that kind of manifested itself for me when I was in high school, uh, I was in football, basketball, baseball, track, choir, show choir, and drama. Four years. I simply believe that if I could perform and perform well, that I have value. Now that kind of mixture of being a people pleaser and somebody who feels like they have to perform is a dangerous combination if you get into the ministry. So my first two years of full-time pastoral ministry was a train wreck. I remember just keeping track of all of my hours, all that I was doing. Nobody asked me to do it. I was writing it all down. I was recording everything. And I would be working a lot of hours and I was telling myself, look, I'm doing this so that I can gauge and kind of get an idea where I'm at. But really the reason that I was doing it was in the hopes that one of the elders would come along or maybe somebody from church and say, what have you been doing? What, are, are you doing anything? Because pastors are lazy. And I wanted to pull it out and be like, here it is. This is what I've been doing. And I believe that if I could show the church and show others how hard I've been working, that they would love me and that God would be pleased with me. It was sick. That's wrong. I was working 70-hour weeks. I went months without taking a day off. I went almost two years without taking a vacation. My vacations were spent in the parsonage, in the church-owned home, answering the church phone because the church phone rang into the house. I'm meeting all of the issues and things that would come up. I was believing a lie that my worth, my value was based on other people's opinion of me and what I was actually doing is putting everything that I loved at risk. It was a lie. And a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. 
the enemy is a liar. He would love to wreck your life. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. And so that is why you and I, we need to recognize the lies for what they are and call them out. The next thing, if we're gonna get to the place of renewing our mind, we need to resist the enemy's lies. First we recognize, then we resist. Resist the enemy's lies. We draw a line in the sand and we say, no more, no more. That's a lie, I'm not believing it. I'm not going there any longer. This is what it says in James 4. James 4 verse seven says this. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, let me read something to you from uh, 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter five, this won't be on the screen. You can open your scripture there. If you want 1 Peter chapter five, verses seven through nine, it says this, and if anybody knows about Satan and him deceiving and pulling away, it would be Peter who denied Jesus Christ, who was tempted. Hey, Peter, uh, the enemy, Satan, has asked me to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, and then when you come back to me, why don't you go ahead and strengthen your brothers? But I just want you to know, Peter, you got an enemy me and you need to be aware. And so Peter, with full recognition that there is an enemy out to get his mind to derail him, writes this in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him, on God, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. That means think clearly. Be aware. Think right thoughts. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be alert. Be aware, look over your shoulder. There is a roaring lion sneaking up to devour. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The experience that you have of the enemy coming and lying to you and attacking you, that's not unique to you. You, you think you stand alone with the lies that you're believing. You don't. The whole brotherhood, all of us, have an accuser of the saints. That is Satan, the enemy. And here Peter says, resist. Don't stand for the lies. Don't entertain the lies. Fight back. Don't let them live in your mind. Uh, Jesus, when he was uh, out in the wilderness, he was being tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter four. And Jesus fought back, and he fought back with the word of God. That's what we are to do. If we hold on to the lie, what we're gonna be is ensnared to that lie. When we believe the truth, that is the moment that we are set free. So we're gonna recognize the lies for what they are. Then we are going to resist those lies, and then the final step is we renew our minds. You renew your mind with truth. Renew your mind with truth. Again, Romans 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Where would you find the will of God? I'm not talking about a, a specific will of God. I'm just talking about the will of God. God, what would you have me to do? The place that you find the will of God is in Scripture. The truth of God's word reveals his will for our lives, that we would be holy as he is holy, that we would be transformed and changed by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that our mind would begin to match the mind of Christ. We find this in God's word. This is where truth is found. 
You're not transformed by your hard work. You're not transformed by your external effort. You are transformed by the Spirit of God who wants to change your heart and to change your mind so that you begin to think his thoughts, that you begin to walk out of being ensnared in the darkness and you begin to walk in the wonderful light of Jesus Christ. It is the truth that God loves you and he loves you so much that he moved in your direction through the person of Jesus Christ who is God, lived a perfect life. It is true that Jesus Christ hung on a cross taking all of your sin, all of your shame, the separation between you and God. He bled and died there, was buried in a tomb. On the third day, he rose from the grave. He is victorious over death. He offers life, ascended into heaven, sent his Holy Spirit so that you and I would receive that spirit, be changed, made new, metamorphosis, if you will, brand new heart, brand new creature, brand new mind in Jesus Christ. That is where we get the renewed mind and we find all of it within scripture. You've got to live in the truth. If you continue to tell yourself lies and believe lies, that's where your feet are gonna take you and you're gonna be living that lie because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. And some of you have been believing lies when God has so much more for you. God has for you just an abundant life to bless his name and to make an impact on this world. He didn't make you by accident. He didn't screw something up when he made you. He made you so that you would know him, that you would know the truth, and the truth has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. Here's the lie that I believed. I believed for myself as a pastor to have worth, to be a good pastor, I had to perform for people. The truth is, I perform for God and God alone. I don't preach for this audience. I preach for an audience of one. The lie was, if you work really hard, don't take any of your days off and just put a whole lot of energy in, well, then you're gonna be productive. The truth is, Everybody takes a day off. Everybody remembers the Sabbath. The truth is, Jesus Christ got away to spend time with the Father for extended periods of time, so I will be happy to take my day off and my vacations, thank you very much, because it doesn't matter what other people think. My identity is not in somebody else's opinion. My identity is in Jesus Christ, and that is very freeing, let me tell you. Now, I don't know what the lie is that you are believing in your life, that the enemy keeps whispering. Maybe it's, hey, you're not good enough. Okay, partially true. But Christ in me is good enough. The spirit of God living in me, sufficient for everything. Oh, you can't do it. Whatever it might be for you, you can't do it. Uh Uh-uh. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, you, you're a victim. Really? Last I checked, I'm a victor. Last I checked, getting to the end of the book, if you will, it says right here that Jesus Christ triumphs over everything. And he lives in me, and that's the truth. Now, Satan, you can keep on throwing stuff at me, but I'm gonna be walking a different direction. And sometimes I think we, we get all worried about the things that we're gonna fight from and the issues that we have that every now and then we just need to remember what we are fighting 
for. Like I am fighting for the righteousness that God has given to me. The opportunity to have a relationship that is sweet and intimate with the living God. I have in front of me the opportunity to stand on behalf of a church family to encourage you with the truth of God's word and to fight for truth and freedom in him. I have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to begin to fight for our families and the lies that are being told to our children, the lies that they are believing so that they can begin to walk out of that bondage and walk into the wonderful, glorious light of Jesus Christ, finding freedom in him. This is for us. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. We will reject the lies of the enemy and we will embrace the truth of God and find freedom. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for each heart here, each, each mind. I have no idea what happens in their mind, but you do. I just know that it's not unique because I, I wrestle with the lies of the enemy, the accuser of the saints. And so, Lord, I just recognize that in this room there's a number of lies that are being believed. Whether it's the idea that our worth is found in what other people think of us or what we do. If the lie is, look, you just make your own truth. You'll figure this thing out. Whatever that lie might be, Lord, I would ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you shine a light on it. Now, for each of us, we begin to recognize that lie, and then we begin to take captive that thought, and we make it submissive to Jesus Christ. Lord, help our minds to begin to move in uh, just the path of truth, rejecting lies, embracing who you are and what you want to do in our lives. Reveal the lies so that they can be resisted and overcome. Make us the kind of church, Lord, that walks away from every lie that raises its head and we begin to move in the direction of truth, your truth. We need your help to do that. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing it even now. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, um, as we go here, uh, just remember, we're gonna be down front. If you need some prayer and some encouragement, we'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, a few quick things. One is, uh, this Sunday is the last Sunday for our kids to meet in the dome. Uh, when they come back from their break, they're gonna have a new space that, that we're gonna be working on. It won't be the completed project, but the, the dome is gonna be storage for us, and so Boundless is already starting to take place, and we're doing some shifting and changing, and so if you have a young one in Joyland, that's one of the changes. Uh, today, if you go back, or when you go back to pick up your kids, uh, tell Mary thanks. This is her last time teaching uh, before she goes and she starts to work at the Hope Center Indy. Just let her know how much you appreciate her. The kids are having a, just a celebration back there with her today. Um, I also want to mention... Um, Make sure I get all my notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, next week, 9 o'clock. If you come at 11, it's going to be kind of weird. Uh, 9 o'clock, uh, half-hour worship service, and uh, then we're going to go out. And we'll minister at our different sites. We'll probably be at most of them around 10 o'clock. Uh, if your site is here at this campus, well, then you're, you can start early. But we'll gather here next week, 9 o'clock. The other thing related to uh, Engage the City, I, I want to share with you something that, that just came across um, my 
my understanding here recently, and I thought, man, that really exemplifies the kind of heart that we should have as community church. I think if we're gonna call ourselves community church, then we need to love the community, otherwise we need to change our name. And uh, so that's one reason why we go out and we engage the city, and we love on people, we love on widows, and we go to our school corporations, and we do all that we can to, to bless and encourage them. Well, uh, there's a young man in our church, he's nine years old, his name is Parker Hurst, and uh, Parker has a, just a sweet heart, and he cares for others. Uh, Parker noticed that we go to New Pal Elementary and we, we spread mulch. We've done that for a number of years now. And that mulch, over time, it, it gets beat down, right? And all the kids are walking over it. And when it rains, that mulch turns into mud. And Parker has a good friend named Christian, and he's in a wheelchair. And Parker noticed that his friend Christian couldn't get to the playground when it rained. And so he called Pastor Andy and said, I've got a project. Could we build a ramp for my friend in a wheelchair so that he could play with the other kids? Isn't that sweet? How do you, you can't say no to something like that. Well, yeah, let's, let's do that. And so we're, uh, we're kind of brainstorming, Andy and I, and we're thinking about, well, this is gonna be fantastic. We'll find some carpenters. We're gonna build this ramp and we're gonna make this happen. And this young man is gonna be able to stay with his friends and do his thing. So we explored it further and uh, we won't be able to build that ramp because it has to be ADA approved. So there's all, all these rules and stuff like that. And so we, we're gonna buy a metal Ramp. Now, it's not a project, but I just wanted you to know that that's happening. And the reason that happens, and it's not, it's, it's an expensive ramp, but we're going to make this happen. The reason that we are able to do that because of what you do for Boundless. And so all the things that, that happen behind the scenes, you don't always get to see. But I thought it was important that you would hear about a young boy, nine years old, with a heart to care for others. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we all have those kinds of eyes to care for others? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.